Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. This is ATS.io Radio's MLB betting podcast for Tuesday, September 15th. I am your host, Adam Burke. We got a lot of stuff going on over at ATS.io right now. Very much encourage you to check out everything that we have to offer. We're doing full football shows Monday and Thursday. Mondays with Kyle Hunter, Thursdays with Brad Powers. Those shows are available on all of the podcast streaming services, iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts. Anywhere you get your podcast content, you'll be able to find those two shows. And we've also been recording highlight videos and topics from those shows and posting them over at our ATS YouTube page. It's also Tuesday, which means I'll chat with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. I've decided I'm going to record that as audio as well. We'll splice that together but also we'll be doing that in video form like we did last week over on our ATS YouTube page. We're starting to get a following over on that ATS YouTube, but we still have a lot more listeners than video viewers. I know a lot of people enjoyed my content with Brian Blessing at the previous site, so we'll make sure to do that here with ATS.io Radio as well. Better's Box here on Tuesday, which of course I'm recording right now. We'll also do one for next Tuesday, The Major League Baseball regular season ends September 27th, so I don't know what what our plan will be about the playoffs as of yet. I'll probably still do something betters box related, Uh, maybe not on Tuesdays, maybe it'll be Wednesdays, something like that, but we should have some MLB audio content for you uh, with regards to the betters box for the playoffs, and I'll be doing some playoff content over at ATS as well, looking at maybe some series preview stuff the daily picks and tips piece, all that kind of thing. And we got a lot of content rolling in over at ATS.io. Baseball, football, basketball. We got all kinds of stuff going on. NHL going on over there as well. And we're covering the top sportsbook promotions offers out there in the legal U.S. sports betting landscape. So we very much encourage you to check those out. Take advantage of those new user offers. Uh, Read through our sportsbook reviews. A lot of things going on over at ATS.io for you to check out. A lot of things going on in the world of Major League Baseball as well. As I said here, we got 12 days left in the regular season. Weekly offense update for you here. Last week, September 7th through the 13th, 248 average, 323 on base, 414 slugging. The year-to-date numbers are 246, 324, and 421. So like I told you probably about three weeks ago or so when I was still doing this for bangthebook.com, offense had kind of settled in a little bit. This would be the new normal. And that is what we're seeing here right now. Little bit of a slugging percentage drop last week relative to the season as a whole. We have had some pitchers kind of return from the injured list. So maybe that's part of the equation here. But also too, the weather environments. It's getting a little bit cooler out there. Some games are getting a little bit more wind and things of that sort. Maybe there are some pitching adjustments. But also, too, as we get closer to the playoffs here, these games are going to tighten up. As games increase in importance, they get a little bit tighter. Everyone becomes a little more risk-averse, not trying to make as many mistakes. So what we may see here is we may see more pitchers throwing more breaking balls in fastball counts. We may see managers getting a little bit more aggressive with their bullpen usage, stuff like that. We see this across all sports, whether it's NHL, NBA, doesn't really matter. As the games increase in importance, things really do tighten up a little bit. 
And maybe that's the reason why slugging percentage has gone down to some degree. Pitchers just being a little bit more careful with these hitters, a little bit more careful with pitch selection. And also too, like I said, I think these weather environments getting a little bit cooler. So I do think that you may get, even though I got a couple of overplays tonight on the MLB card, you may get some more value on unders relative to overs here over the last 12 games of the, or the last 12 days, I should say, of the regular season. Now, of course, one of the things you want to keep in mind here is that teams that aren't playing for anything are just kind of going out there and hitters are being very aggressive and stuff like that. They're trying to put up some of those numbers that will get them paid here over the offseason. So in games that matter, you probably look at the under. In games that don't matter, two teams that aren't going anywhere, that's where we may see some overs. So that may be a betting angle that you want to look to use to your advantage here over the last week and a half of the Major League Baseball season. You know, I spent a lot of time this year, uh, you know, just sort of thinking about my thought process, sort of thinking about what I do when it comes to handicapping baseball. And I mentioned maybe two or three weeks ago now that something I should probably be taking a closer look at here is looking more at the expectation of offense as opposed to hoping that that starting pitcher will shut down the opposition, looking for the teams that have a better chance of scoring runs. You know, last night, for example, in that Twins and White Sox game, I was on the Twins at a relatively juicy number in the mid-minus 130s. They had 18 base runners by hit or walk in that game and only scored one run. They lost that game three to one, but I'm okay with that loss because that's a handicap to me where I did project the team that had a better chance offensively. They just didn't get those big hits. They went two for 16 with a runner in scoring position. So that is something that I'm trying to take with me here as I go forward. Something I talked about today in my article with the Royals and Tigers game. Yeah, the Tigers have a top five offense against lefties, but with Matt Boyd's command problems, I think the Royals have a better chance at making more hard contact, getting more of those barreled balls, the things that really help you generate offense. So I went ahead and took the Royals today. That is a change possibly for me going into next season, looking more in terms of the teams that will score as opposed to trying to figure out the teams that will prevent runs. So that is something that I've thought about here this year and is a cognizant change that I've made and something I will likely carry over into the next baseball season as well. Something else I started thinking about today while putting together the notes for the show, I'm a big believer in large sample size. Because of what I use to handicap with sabermetrics and all of the advanced statistics that I use, a lot of those are predicated on sample size. You need a larger sample size to make a more definitive determination. However, something I started thinking about here today is form cycles. You know, we see this all the time in the NHL and the NBA. Teams will win two or three in a row. They'll make some adjustments. They'll be in good current form. And they'll play really well for 10, 12, 15 games, something like that, before maybe things kind of back off a little bit. So I kind of started thinking here, even though there's a ton of variance in small sample sizes, should I look to play on that a little bit more maybe? You know, should I look more at the current form of a team and just kind of go from there as opposed to, you know, looking at the larger sample size. For example, here in a season like this, does what happened in the first week of August have any bearing on what's happening in mid-September? I don't know the answer to that question. You know, when you look at the last 14 days, 
The top five teams in weighted on base average are the Braves, who have been a great offense all year, the Mets, who have been a great offense all year, the Giants, who have been a great offense all year, making a lot more hard contact than expected, the Twins, an offense that you know underachieved early on in the season. I expected them to get better as things went along, and now they've done that. And the Red Sox, again, thought to be a very good offense, but we worried a lot about their pitching staff. The bottom five in weighted on base average over the last 14 days, Diamondbacks at 272, Tigers 283, Astros 285, Cubs 292, Pirates 293. Well, the Diamondbacks, I thought they would be better. Turns out that they're not. They've been a pretty bad offensive team over the course of the entire season here. So that's not a big surprise. The Tigers, same thing. They're still hitting lefties, but if they don't get lefties, they don't hit. The Astros are a really interesting one here, and maybe that's sort of what set off the light bulb for me about these form cycles, is that the Astros were supposed to still be a very good team, but they've had a lot of injuries, they've had a lot of adversity that they haven't been able to overcome this season, and they are not playing well. And a lot of times when you've got these teams that have these expectations and they're not playing well, we think everything's going to turn for them. We think that over the course of a long sample size, they will regress to the mean, whether that's positive or negative. In Houston's case, we figured some positive regression to the mean would be coming, but they're not hitting. And it's hard to regress to the mean when you're not hitting. You know, the Cubs have gotten very fortunate that their pitching staff has been as good as it has been to overshadow just how bad this offense has been. And in particular, how bad a lot of their key bats have been. Chris Bryant's not having a good year. Javier Baez is having a very bad year. The Cubs have been able to overcome that. But you wonder here, you know, long-term or heading into the playoffs, I should say, is that lack of offense going to be an Achilles heel for them? Or can they flip this form cycle and get back on track like a team like the Twins did? I don't know if that's the case. The Pirates, bad offense all year long. So, I just sort of wonder here if teams can get into certain rhythms, if maybe there is something more to the mental side of the game to where you want to look at current and recent form as opposed to that much larger, much grander sample size. And I will say that I think this works a lot more on a team level as opposed to an individual level. I don't think a three-start sample size for a pitcher tells us a whole lot. I don't think that's anything that you really want to rely on because there are great differences in terms of the teams that you face, the lineups that you face, stuff like that. But on a team level, over the span of 14 days, you would think you've played some good teams, you've played some bad teams, you've played some decent teams, you've played some below average teams, some above average teams. So I've spent a lot of time this year uh, sort of questioning my process and my strategies and wondering if I need to adapt, if there's something I need to do differently as we go forward here. And again, 2020 has been a very weird year, so maybe that's not the best barometer. You don't want to take too many, you know, um, too many inferences and, and decisions out of a year like this. But like I said, maybe that is something I need to take a look at a little bit more here. And, and I thought about this, you know, playing the uh, the Rays a couple of weeks ago. I think I played an over. Uh, at Tropicana Field, and what didn't really occur to me is that the Rays offensively 
had been awful for several days leading up to that game. And I wound up, you know, sort of tying my wagon to a losing horse, to an offense that wasn't really performing up to its capabilities or up to its full season numbers. Now, again, you don't want to take too much away from one game in a sample size of a lot of picks. But like I said, maybe there are some adjustments that I need to make and maybe looking a little bit more at some recent form data, even though I'm such a big sample size guy, maybe that's something I need to get my mind wrapped around here uh, for future baseball seasons. Because again, maybe it is just a rhythmic thing. You know, maybe it is just a confidence thing or something like that to where, you know, yeah, maybe the full season numbers are good, but right now that team's not playing very well. And maybe I could have kept myself off of some losers if I had been more aware of what that smaller sample size wound up looking like. Something else is I was kind of looking through my uh, tracking sheet here. I have played very, very few underdogs this season. I played a lot of favorites in that minus 115 to minus 135 range. And generally speaking, when I look up and down the card, I feel like those are the games that I can get the best edges on. Because I can look a little bit deeper and see if that team should be a bigger favorite. If maybe there's some sort of edge to be had with that favorite line being so low. But like I said, you know, I haven't played a lot of underdogs this year. And is that something I need to do more of? It's a possibility. You know, as I look up and down my Google tracking sheet, you know, right now for the season, I think I'm 12 picks above 500, but only up about three units. Because you're always laying that juice. You're always having to overcome, you know, that break-even percentage. And that can be a really difficult thing to do in a lot of ways. So maybe I got to look a little bit more to try and justify some underdog plays uh, for future seasons here in Major League Baseball. And it is hard to do. Don't get me wrong. You know, you're betting on a team that is expected to lose more than half of the time. So, Again, it's all about that evaluation process. And as we get to the close of a season, even one as bastardized as this 2021, this is a process that you want to take up as well. Start looking through your results. Start going through, and that's why tracking is really important. Organize your thoughts and sort of look back and say, is there something I need to do differently? Do I need to focus on something uh, you know, that's, that maybe I didn't focus on previously as we head into the next year? You want to take that time and evaluate if it's something that you want to be serious about. Because if you feel like you've gotten to a point where you're good and you don't have to worry about anything, you are dead wrong. Because this business requires constant evaluation, constant adaptation, constant changes to what you are doing. Because the odds makers are adjusting too. You know, and they have a lot more data than we do in terms of what works and what doesn't with regards to those market prices that are out there. We have to beat them. They don't have to beat us because that inherent house edge, that VIG, is what allows them to beat the vast majority of betters year in and year out. So we have to beat them, which means we have to be a step ahead of them, a step ahead of the market whenever we can be. So when you get to the end of a season like this, These are things that you want to think about. You want to think about what worked and what didn't and what you can possibly do differently and some of the other different strategic elements that are out there with your handicapping process. So also, too, along the same lines, these teams are thinking a lot right now. With under two weeks in the season, 
What are the mindsets of these teams? Who wants to play and who doesn't? Which individual players are maybe approaching free agency and they want to put up some numbers here down the stretch? Because you've got to wonder with the impending CBA negotiations and with this weird 60-game sample, how is this year evaluated? How are these players evaluated for future contracts and stuff like that? So that's something you may want to take a look at here over the next couple of weeks. These or over the next couple of days, I should say, these starting pitchers that are maybe in line for contracts or pitchers that are heading for arbitration, something like that. You know, those are guys that may be sufficiently motivated where their teams aren't. So maybe that's, you know, a situation where you want to play some strikeout props or something like that. On the whole, I think because they've only played 60 games, a lot of these guys, you know, they're not tired. They're not tired like they would be at the end of a 162 game season. So I think a lot of these teams will still play hard. I think a lot of these teams won't mail it in, but you probably will find some spots where these teams will mail it in a little bit, or you'll have some teams that maybe aren't very good, but will be in these must-win situations. You know, the Marlins are right there in the thick of the playoff hunt. They're not a very good team, and they've played a lot of games in a short period of time with all of these COVID makeup games and stuff like that. Can they hold up? If you think they can hold up, you're probably going to find some value on them because the market opinion, the market sentiment will be that they can't do it. So think about the mindsets of these teams. Think about the philosophies and where they are. And also, too, teams that have playoff spots locked up or look like they're going to make the playoffs, they'll start maneuvering their rotations around, make sure everybody is on the right amount of rest. They'll start resting some of their position players that are kind of dinged up a little bit. Uh, You know, maybe they'll kind of give some bullpen guys a day off here or there. So that's something you want to keep in mind too. And that's a very challenging thing to do with a pre-flop handicap of a game. But, you know, that is an element here at this point in time, especially in the American League where, yeah, there are benefits to winning the division in the sense that you get a weaker first round opponent, but it looks like we're going to do the bubbles for the playoffs here for Major League Baseball. So there is no home field advantage. There will be no park factor advantages Four teams that are tailored towards their ballparks. Instead, they'll be playing in bubbles. So maybe teams won't go balls to the wall to win the division or something like that. Maybe they'll have a matchup that they want. A little bit of gamesmanship comes into play. You know, who really knows? But these are all factors here late in the season where I think you've got a lot more intangibles than you do tangibles as a season comes to a close few quick things here as far as the standings go. The Rays are 11-4 and four in one-run games. The Mets are 4-9. and nine. So those are your two opposites in terms of one-run games. And if the Mets were doing better in one-run games, well, they may have a playoff berth uh, kind of in their grasp right now. Twins are 7-3 and three in one-run games. Brewers 9-4. and four. Orioles 6-11. and 11. Red Sox only 4-7. and seven. So those are your top three and bottom three in terms of win percentage in one-run games. How about the Toronto Blue Jays? And this is a team you want to keep a close eye on here over the last week and a half. Same thing with the Cardinals and the Marlins. These are teams that have had very weird seasons. The Blue Jays, you know, no home games. They've played 22 one-run games out of their 46 games. They have been grinding. They're 13-9 and in those one-run games, but they've been grinding hard. The bullpen's been worked very hard. That's a team that you wonder... Do they have that push here left in them to get into the playoffs? And if they do, what happens with them 
when they get there. The Cardinals and the Marlins, two teams very much in the playoff hunt in the National League, they've been playing doubleheaders like crazy. They've been playing all those COVID makeup games as the two teams that were hit the hardest by the virus here this season. So what about them? Do they get worn down at some point in time here because they played so many games in such a short window? If you start to see those signs a little bit, maybe those are a couple of teams that you do want to look to fade to some degree. So again, it's tough. I know I've talked about a lot of intangible things, a lot of you know uh, intuition that you kind of have to come up with here over the last week and a half. But I think, again, in such a unique season with what we have on the horizon here with these playoff bubbles, I think you've got to look more at the intangible than the tangible here over the next week and a half or so in Major League Baseball. As far as the down the line segment goes, just a couple of really quick thoughts here that, you know, sample sizes for some of the advanced metrics like FIP, like XFIP, like Sierra, stuff like that, we're starting to reach a certain level of significance. So we're seeing some pretty well-defined moves with ERA and FIP discrepancies uh, with, you know, a lot of these guys having made eight or nine starts. That would be in a regular year about late May. So we typically see in June and July, a lot of these ERA and FIP moves, we've seen them very early, but they will be very well-defined for the rest of this season. So if you like a pitcher or you like a game, make sure you pay attention to what the market's going to do with regards to those two starting pitchers and those ERA and FIP discrepancies. We've also seen a lot of plays on ugly sides here lately. Teams like the Mariners, teams like the Rangers, teams like um, you know, the, the Royals or something like that. A lot of sentiment out there that this line is just too high on a lot of these games. We're still seeing some big favorites take money, but we're seeing aces on bad teams get bet against a little bit more now. And we're seeing a lot of bad teams getting bet on just because there's line value. And a lot of the modeling crowd and the quant crowd that influences this market will simply play these games because their numbers say that they should. And you can sometimes take advantage of some things like that out there in the marketplace by just waiting it out. If you like a favorite that you feel might be a little bit overpriced, wait it out, see if it comes down into a better range for you. And we have seen that in a lot of these games here lately with this sentiment that the line is just too high. As far as the week ahead goes, my picks and tips article over at ATS.io Look, there's a lot going on right now with football and everything else I'm trying to cover, doing a lot of this video editing for the ATS YouTube page. So I really streamlined my MLB article today, just the games that I have picks on. That's probably what I'll do over the next week and a half. I like to go in deep detail, but as we look at the analytics for the article, people are just scrolling through for the plays. So I'm not going to sit there and write 4,000 words on the card to pass on 10 of those games and have plays on three of them. I'm just not going to do it. So I have revamped the focus of that article, looking a little bit more just specifically at the games that I like, and that is posted over at ATS.io for you to go check out for today. As far as some other things I'm looking at here for the next couple of days, on Wednesday, a really interesting game, Mike Fires and the A's are in Colorado at Coors Field. Now, Mike Fires is a guy with dramatic home road splits Over the last two years, a lot of times when he's on the road, the market will blindly fade him. I would expect that the market blindly fades him tomorrow, making a start at Coors Field. 
Now, with the Colorado side, it's Herman Marquez, who generally doesn't pitch well at home. So maybe we see the over jump up a little bit in this game. But I do think Marquez will be the preferred side in that one. So if you like Colorado, if you want to fade fires, I would get in on that one immediately because I do expect that line to go up once the overnights are posted. I would also expect in the uh, Dodgers-Padres game here, I would expect Dustin Mainbunny to hit the board. He's taking on Chris Paddock. The Dodgers have hit Paddock very, very well. Now, team versus pitcher stats are pretty irrelevant to me. The sample size isn't large enough, but Paddock has had major major command concerns with the fastball this season, and the market adores Dustin May. He's been steamed in just about every single one of his starts this season. I expect the Dodgers to take the early money there in that game against the Padres and Chris Paddock. So if you want to bet that game, grab the Dodgers early and then decide if you want to come back on the Padres on play your arbitrage spot in that one. I do like the Brewers a little bit on Wednesday. That's Brandon Woodruff against the Cardinals and Adam Wainwright. Adam Wainwright is a regression candidate in my opinion, but the Brewers offense is terrible and has been terrible against righties, including the no-hitter over the weekend from Alec Mills. The Brewers just can't hit. So Maybe that's an under consideration for me. Maybe a Cardinals team total under, something like that. But I do like Woodruff in that spot there on Wednesday. I also lean the Tigers on Wednesday. And we'll see if the Royals take a seven-game winning streak into that matchup. But I want to fade Brady Singer. Nearly threw a no-hitter over the weekend, or in his last start, I should say. Threw 119 pitches in that game. So I want to look to fade Brady Singer here. Even though the Tigers can't hit righties, I think I may wind up with a piece of Detroit in that one. And then finally on Thursday, Kenta Maeda takes on the Chicago White Sox. I love Kenta Maeda. I love what he's done this season, taking on that right-handed heavy lineup for the White Sox. Maeda and the Twins, depending on the price, because the White Sox are to be determined uh, for a starting pitcher in Thursday's game. Depending on the price, I'm going to have a piece of Maeda, um, of uh, Maeda, excuse me, Maybe a run line play, I'm not sure yet, but I do like his matchup against the White Sox here on Thursday. So again, a lot of content over at ATS.io for you to check out. Got to fit in the betters box here on Tuesday. I'll be doing some more stuff with Brian Blessing. So you'll get another audio podcast recording with myself and Brian to go along with the videos that we'll have here over on our ATS YouTube page as well. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And remember that you will never strike out when you're in the betters box.